Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast. This is Darla. And as always, I am so excited to be here with you today. I have an extraordinary guest for you today. Her name is Norma Zog, and she is an educator, a writer, and a coach. She's also a mom to three boys. And Norma has experienced some points in her life of feeling lost and worthless, and she has learned to turn to God and has found a way to change. Through all of her trials, Norma has learned to let the light inside of her shine and is helping others do the same. And I am excited to share today with you, Norma's story. So welcome to the podcast, Norma. Hi, it's good to be here. Thank you so much. Well, that was my little introduction that I wrote for you, just knowing you and knowing your podcast and going on your website and finding out those things. But could you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and about your family? Absolutely. So I, I was previously married. So I am, I was divorced. So I want to tell you about my first family. And then I want to tell you about my second family. Perfect. Okay. Sounds good. So, um, I was married in the Salt Lake temple and I was married actually for 19 years. And during that marriage, I was able to have three boys that are my heart and I just adore them. And hopefully that will come across in the podcast because they are my light. They are the reason I keep going but after a really difficult marriage, so within two years, my ex-husband had completely quit going to church. And so I stayed for 17 years and I went to church by myself. I took the boys by myself. So it was a really long road. And the whole time I was very prayerful on whether or not I could leave because it was really hard for me and never felt like that was the solution. And so after 19 years, there was a prayer where Heavenly Father finally told me that it was time for me to take my boys and to go down a different path. And so now I moved to Utah about five years ago. It was five years ago. So I've been remarried for five years. And now I have, I have of course, my three boys, but now I have three stepchildren. So I have one stepson who's 12 and then two stepdaughters that are 16 and 18. So... Okay. So how do those ages fit in with your boys? So my boys are eight, 12, and then 15. Okay. So you are all in the mix of all that. Lots of teenagers, still got some elementary school going on. you got everything. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, that is really great. Well, thanks for telling us about all of your family and, and some of your experiences. I'm hoping that we can dive into that more. So it sounds like you really love being a mom. I You can tell and I can tell from the other interactions that I've had with you, what has brought you the greatest joy in motherhood? So I was really thinking about this because I think just the fact that I get to be a mom, I don't know if there's a more pure um, gift that Heavenly Father gives to us than the ability to be a partner with him to bring up his sons for me and, and my stepdaughters also, but to be able to bring up men that are hopefully loyal follower warriors for him. And so just being able to have children has been such a joy for me. Yeah, you can definitely tell that is great. So 
let's kind of go back in time a little bit. And and so you said you got married in the Salt Lake Temple and after two years, your husband was kind of done, right? So was he done with the marriage? Was he just done with the church? How did that all play out for you? So I remember really specifically, it was, you know, our marriage was never easy. Right from the get-go, it was pretty rocky and pretty hard. So I remember one day I was getting ready for church and I walked into the living room and he, he was not getting ready for church. He was in his snowboarding. He was a big snowboarder. Um, he was in his snowboarding gear and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I said, it's time for church. What are you doing? It's time for church. And he said, I'm going to go snowboarding. And I said, well, we need to go to church. And he just looked at me and he said, I don't have to do anything. And I was shocked. I mean, he, he got up and he left and I just sat there. I think, I don't even think I went to church that day. I think I was like just frozen in what just happened. And it kind of went on a roller coaster ride from there moving forward. So that was kind of your first indication that this wasn't going to be what you thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was pretty devastating. So I was raised in a part member family. Mm -hmm. My dad is actually Catholic and my mom is LDS. And my dad always told my mom he didn't care what religion we were. He just really wanted us to believe that there was a God. And so he was happy that we went to church and that my mom decided to raise us LDS. But my whole life, I mean, and this is probably going to be tearful for me, but I had been taught about the priesthood and I had wanted that in my home. And so I think when my husband decided to make this choice, it was even a more painful blow because it had been something from the time I was a tiny little girl hearing it. I wanted that, the power of the priesthood in my home and to not have it there after I had longed for it for so long. It was hard. It was difficult. So as you started to bring children into your home, started to have, have babies and bring children into your home, how, how did you navigate everything? Like, I'm thinking like, how did you, did you, were your children blessed? How did you navigate them? You know, growing up in the church, was he supportive of you taking them? You know, how did that all work for you? So it was really tricky because, right, it's just a tricky situation, but even having them was it was a really prayerful time. I did not take even bringing them into this world very lightly because of the, how rocky our marriage had been. And I prayed fervently for months before going to the temple and receiving revelation that it was okay for me to bring children into this world. So I was really clear with him on where I stood um, in fact, I think I was even a stronger member in some respects because I knew that if my boys were ever going to see something different, it would have to be because I put forth the effort. So I remember it, it was um, a time when uh, I, it was after I had my third son <laughs> and I remember praying and I was like, Heavenly Father, are you kidding me? Like you gave me, and don't get me wrong. I adore my boys. But at the time I was like, you've given me three boys that will naturally follow their father to get back to you. And how am I supposed to do this? Like, 
tell me how to do this because I don't know how to get them back to you. And he told me to get them baptized. He said, you get them baptized. That's your job. And then I will take over from there. So all of my children were blessed. And it was actually just last year that my final one was baptized. And it was one of the most glorious days of my life because Heavenly Father really spoke to me that day. And I could not stop crying the entire day. And he said to me, he said, Norma, this could not have been possible. This day would not be possible without you. And I am so aware of your efforts and what you've done to get the boys to this point. Like, I know how much effort you put forth. I know how much work you put forth. And I want you to know I am aware and that he accepted my offering of getting them to that point and that he would keep his promise also. Sorry, I'm just a blubbering mess. <laughs> oh, it, it's totally okay. That's a, re- that's a really emotional thing. And I appreciate that you're willing to share something so personal about this promise that you felt that you received from Heavenly Father and how he, he's fulfilling it for you and how you lived up to your end. I think, I think that's really beautiful and it's hopeful to other people. We, I think sometimes in the church we get caught up and there's this like perfect scenario of a husband and a wife and children and the family proclamation kind of thing. Like it puts a lot of pressure on us and to live in this perfect scenario and you're giving hope to people who maybe that don't fit into that. There's not a mold. There isn't. Heavenly Father doesn't have a mold. He will help us no matter what. And and I think that's a really a beautiful way that your story is illustrating that, that he, he can be there for this and, and he can take, although I don't think he creates those circumstances, he can take whatever circumstances we're going to help us and get us to where we need to go. Were there other points in your journey in this marriage that really wasn't working out where you felt close to him? Oh, my entire marriage. It's interesting because there were times when I was in the middle of it where I felt very alone. And now that I'm removed from it, I can look back Mm -hmm. and see how powerfully he stood right beside me during those times where I didn't know if I was going to be okay. And I, it's fascinating that sometimes we almost have to be removed from it before we can fully see how he intricately was there the entire time planning and helping and putting the pieces together in a much more marvelous way than we could have ever imagined. And the gifts that he would give to us through those horrible hardships. Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying is I've seen it in my life too. Like in the middle of something, I don't see him there, but when I am removed from it, like you said, and I can step back, I can see, wow, he was everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. So if someone is in that middle stage where they're not seeing him and they're struggling and they're just wondering, where is he? What would you say to them to to hold on, to get to that point where they can be removed and look back and say, wow, he was all over? Yeah, it really did. If I look back, it really had to do with a lot of faith. Like I really believed that he was there, even though I didn't see him there. Mm-hmm. And I think it really comes down to, you know, there's things happening that we cannot see. And also I really, you know, and this is something that someone just mentioned to me recently and it really stuck out to me. They said, they're always constantly looking for letters from God. And it's the little tiny moments that happen during the day 
And just in the past couple of weeks, I've started like trying to be more aware of the letters from God and they're everywhere. If we're watching for them, sometimes when we're dealing with that heaviness or the trauma of life, we, we can't always see that, but it was faith just believing. Yeah. That he's there and recognizing even little things can help us to hold on and to, to keep going and get to that point. And, and like you said, it's a test of faith. It's testing our faith. We can't always see what's there, but it's there. Yeah. Well, and also I look now and I can see that every experience, it was horrible. I mean, some of the experiences were heart-wrenching and horrible, and I would never want to relive them. But the fact that I have lived them has given me so much more compassion and kindness. And I'm able to connect with a lot of people in a lot of hard Mm -hmm. situations because I lived it. And I can now see it as, oh, it was the biggest gift. All of those experiences were actually a gift so that I could connect and love people more, which I just want to love people. So it gave me the opportunity to do what is true in my heart anyways. Just a hard road. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. But there's, there's always beauty in those hard things when we rely on Heavenly Father. That's so, so great. So I would also, one of the things I've discussed on the podcast before and on Instagram and a question that I get a lot is how do you, how do you teach the gospel in your home when your spouse is not supportive of it? How did you do that? Was it, was it covertly like kind of under the table or did you have family home evening? Did you have family prayer? How did you do it? Okay. So there was a time actually ironically, when I tried to have family home evening and I actually invited his parents because he was LDS, I invited his parents and thought that maybe I could do it more openly if his parents were there with us. It backfired big time. So I did not do a formal family home evening. I Mine really was in the small, tiny, silent moments it was, I always said, said prayers with my little boys before they went to bed and I would teach them how to pray. And I would teach them that the Holy ghost could speak to them. And that, and I still, to this day, when something happens, I will point out when I see the Holy ghost in their lives, because I think with kids, we actually have to teach them how to feel the Holy ghost. Mm teach them how to watch for him because it's not something that's always just natural. And so it's, I teach them constantly and it's, it's not as formal. It very much is in the little tiny moments when I see something happen and I pull them aside and I whisper in their ear and I, that, so that's how the majority of my teaching was, especially during, so I didn't have children until I was 28. So during my divorce, my oldest was nine, but during that nine years when I actually had children and he was there, it was very much in the tiny, small, everyday moments when I could share things with them. And I would share privately, quietly. He knew I was praying with them. He knew what I believed. Mm -hmm. He didn't really resist with me taking them to church. I think that's partially because he had the background himself, which I'm grateful for that. But it's still tough because he he isn't interested in the church still at this time. So it's hard for my boys to navigate it. So they're they're spending time with you. They're spending time with him. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So they're going back and forth between those two things. Yeah. That would be difficult. I'm, I'm sure. Were there any instances where you felt the Holy ghost guiding you like go this way, do this? Absolutely. So I cannot even tell you how many times I have felt like I should do something when it made zero sense. Mm-hmm. Like my logic, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense why I should be sending a child to this place or not letting a child go. Or like there was no evidence of any reasoning why I should or shouldn't be doing something. And when I would feel that prompting, I would just follow it. I, there's just been, I can't even name any specific time because again, it's those small moments all the time, every day. But there were so many times when it was like, you need to do this. And I'm like, what? That's a, but that doesn't make sense why I would do that. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand why, but this is what I'm doing. And I think, especially with kids that have, I mean, you know, they have a father that believes a completely, he lives a completely different way of life and a mother that tries really hard to attend church every week. And I attend the temple and I try really hard to teach them what's right. And it is so hard for these kids to navigate. They don't know who's right, who's wrong. They see two parents that they love and they care about, and they don't know always how to navigate it. And I'm always directing them. One of my favorite things to say to them is, I don't want you to follow mom. And I don't want you to follow dad. I want you to follow your heart. I want you to follow the Holy Ghost for you because neither of us can tell you what that's supposed to look like for you. And we just talk about how it is super confusing. I'm really, really open with my boys about how confusing it must be for them to know what they should do and what they shouldn't do and how that's the only way that they can figure out what's right for them because they do have two parents and both of us really love them, but two parents that have very conflicting views. And I try really not to put them ever in the middle. You are so wise. And I think, I think that principle applies to any parents, whether you're married to their dad or still, or, you know, whatever, because we don't want our kids to grow up and be obedient to us. I don't want my kids to go to church because I told them to. Although we have some expectations in our family and those kind of things, when they leave my house, I want them to do it because they love God. You know, I think about the mutual theme this year is if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what we want our kids to do. We want them to do it out of love. And like you said, we know how the Holy Ghost works and we can teach them that. You're, you're doing a beautiful job of teaching your, your children to listen to the Holy Ghost, to point it out, to help them recognize it. And that's what will lead them to God. When I had someone say something, so it was a counselor actually at one point, she said something that just blew my mind and it's, I've never forgotten it because she said it was during my divorce and I was devastated. I, I never wanted to put my kids through something that would be that traumatic for them and felt so peaceful that it is what God wanted me to do, but wasn't happy that I was in a situation where I had to put them there. So what she said, is she said, you cannot protect your kids from the things that they will need to happen in their lives to bring them back to Christ. She said, if you get in the way, you might be the wedge that kept them from getting back to him. 
And she said they were meant to experience this divorce. It's part of their journey. Mm -hmm. And so ever since then, and I really have this, I'm really open and I'm like, you know, I have um, boys that aren't sure if they want to go on a mission. And I'm like, it's not my choice to make. It's not my journey to take. So I very much, even though I, I really don't push them one way or another, I'm very much like, it's your choice like whatever you want to choose for you. And I just let them take the journey. And I don't know where so far it's been pretty low key, but as they get older, I'm sure that we will face challenges and difficulties. And I'm like, my job is just to love you. I love you no matter what, that's what I do. And so, but I don't know what your journey looks like or where it will take you or what you need to learn through the experiences you're going to have. All I know is that I'm going to love you no matter what. And and isn't that the pattern that we learn from our Heavenly Father about parenting? It's about love and do all of His children. I mean, He gives us choices, right? We're His children. He gives us choices. We can choose the, the way that we want to go. So as parents, we can let our children choose the way that we want want them to go. doesn't mean that we don't guide them because Heavenly Father guides us, right? He gives us tools and absolutely and things to help. But but ultimately it's their choice. And, and I love what you were saying about, you know, the experiences that they have in their life will shape them. And, and they're the experiences that they need to have. We're all like that. We all have the things that are going to give us the experiences that we need. In your case, you're using it to help other people. Who knows what your boys will be able to do with the experiences that they've had to, to bless other people in this world. Yeah. I love that thought. That is really great. So I want to shift gears just a little bit. And I want to talk about you know, what if you're my neighbor or you're in my ward and back in that situation where you were in, in a hard marriage and trying to raise your kids and, and all of that, what were the things that the people around you did that were helpful to you? So I have been so fortunate for not the entire time of my marriage, but a lot of it to have really inspired bishops that didn't pretend like they knew what it was like to be me. Mm-hmm. And I had them, a, a couple very specific ones in particular that came to me and would call me in. And our discussions were more like, how can I, they would ask me questions. How can I help someone else that's in your situation? How can we help you? What can we do? And so it was so powerful because instead of them they weren't always guides. Sometimes they were asking questions about how to do it better themselves, how they could assist someone better that was in my circumstance. And so that I would say for leaders is the most powerful thing is don't, you don't have to know everything. We don't expect you to know what it's like to live our lives, but to have a listening ear and to hear what it is that we're saying is one of the most powerful things that they have done for me as far as in a leadership position. As far as in, as far as ministering sister, I have one experience that just was so amazing to me. So at the time I had two tiny kids, I was taking them by myself. And so literally I would have this little train, right? When I would go out to nurse a baby, they would all go with me and then we'd all come back in and then we'd all go out again. And it was I had come to the conclusion that I was not going to come to sacrament anymore because it was, I wasn't going to quit coming to church. I always believed that was never part of what I was 
you know, my questioning, but it was really just difficult for me getting them ready, getting them there, dealing with it. It was just too much for me at the time. And so I had prayed and I said, heavenly father, I'm going to keep bringing them. I'll bring them to primary, but I am not going to go to sacrament anymore. Literally the next day I get a phone call from my visiting teacher at the time. And she said, Hey, I had this idea. I was wondering if you'd like to come sit with me in sacrament. I'll bring the snacks. I'll bring the toys. You know how kids like new toys. I'll take care of everything. I just would, I would really like to help. Okay. That was, I hadn't told anyone that I had had, that this was my prayer. And so my, my thought for ministering sisters is no matter how weird the prompting is, follow it. I didn't even know her very well. She had just been made my visiting teacher. There is no way that she knew that information from me. Like she had been listening. She had been praying and she had been inspired to offer me that specific thing. And I just knew that God was very aware of me. And it did come through a ministering sister. So I would just say, listen to the promptings and follow them, no matter how much sense they might not make. Yeah. And I I think if I hear what you're saying, you're saying, don't assume anything. Ask questions to kind of figure out, don't assume that you know what that person's life is like or what is going on. If you're a leader, absolutely ask questions and then follow the spirit, right? That's how, that's how we can minister and be, and be like the savior. I'm, I'm so grateful that you have those people in your life that, you know, you have those good experiences. That's really wonderful. Well, I mentioned at the beginning, we talked about, you know, you had a lot of years of feeling, feeling lost and like you were worthless, but you've, you've really come to the point where, you know, there's light inside of you and you're trying to help other people. I would love to know, was that like, was there like one specific experience that helped draw that out of you? And you just knew I've got to change. I'm going to do something different. Or was it over time? How did that look for you? So I wish it was that easy. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's not cut and dried. I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. So it, it was a lot of hard work. Um, I look at myself six years ago when I was going through my divorce and the person I am today, and I am a different person. I'm not the same person. When I entered a counseling, it wasn't the first time I'd entered a counseling office, but the first time I entered a counseling office that shifted, I was a complete shell of a person. I no longer knew who I was at all. I felt like I was pretty purposeless very inadequate, um, very much worthless when I walked in that day. And I, there was just nothing left of me at that time. It was a lot of hard work, which is part of what I teach when I do my coaching is if you are feeling lost and you're feeling empty and you're feeling hopeless, there is absolutely a way out, but it is not magic and there's no quick solution. It is a lot of work and it is a lot of like internal work. I look back and my ex-husband chose not to change. And so it forced me to create boundaries that changed the entire, what my life looks like today happened because I set a boundary and he said, no, he wasn't willing to make any changes. And, but it has been a lot of process and a lot of baby steps that have gotten to me to where I am today. And a lot of just God's grace 
And I know that he wants me exactly where I am today. And that I had to go through that process step by step so that I could break it down for other women. And so I could lead them through it step by step. And they were very painful steps and hard steps. And for some of the steps, it was a year of practice before I was able to really grasp it and take it forward and then move on to the next step. But it was so worth it. So worth it. So I like how you're talking about steps and and you're not sugarcoating it. Like this is hard work. This is not an easy thing to change. We know that. So what would be the first step that you would, you would, if someone was in a situation like you were in or feeling hopeless, what's a first step you can take? The very first step that I took was I had to start taking care of myself. So I remember I showed up to her office. The first thing she tried to teach me was self-care and I put my fingers in my ears and I ignored her because I was working. Um, I'm an educator. I was a principal at the time. So I was like, no, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. I work, I have three little kids and she's like, oh, I perfectly understand. I understand. And she just, that woman is still to this day. I mean, her gift is absolutely helping women. She completely, she she just held my feet to the fire. And she said, well, and if you're not willing to do this, then we can't move forward. I mean, this work, absolutely is the individual. It's the work of the individual. And unless you're ready and willing, there's going to be little changes that will actually happen. And she really bluntly said that to me. And so it was starting to take care of myself. So after the third time when I hadn't, and she kind of gave me the lecture, (laughs) then that's when I started to say, oh, she's not kidding. I really have to figure out how to find time for myself And now I am like, Tuesdays are Norma day. Like, it's not that I don't do laundry or make dinner on that day, but that is when I plan fun things for me. I at least take an hour and a half, sometimes two, that is entirely something that I want to do for me. And then during the week, I take little time frames where I almost take a nap. This is every afternoon for a half an hour. That's awesome. I lay down. It's my time. My boys know you can come in if there's an emergency, but otherwise don't come in. And um, I started doing that during my divorce because it's the only way I could make it through the night patiently. And I think what I really learned is in order for me to be able to help my boys, I have to be on top of my game. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't be patient. I can't be loving. I can't do homework for hours on end unless I have taken care of me or I'll do the homework on end, but I might be irritated and frustrated and angry. And then all those nasty emotions pour out onto them. So in order to avoid that, I started, I would take a nap before they would get home from school. And then that's what kept me patient and kind and loving throughout the night. And I just learned for me, that was a key ingredient. Right. I love, I love that you said for me, because that might not be the answer for everyone. Someone out there listening that needs to take that step to self-care, a nap might not be the answer. It could be, but it's really about what you did is just exploring and figuring out 
what do I need to do? And you, you know, you heard from this counselor, I need to take care of myself. And then you just start taking steps. And now you're to the point where you get a whole, you're doing it beautifully. You're taking a whole day for yourself, which is, which is so amazing, but it doesn't have to start that way. And it can start with a small step. And I love that you're, that you're showing that through your, through your story. Yeah, it absolutely did. I think it started as two times a week, 10 minutes. Yeah. It really was. I would sit down and do a 10 minute meditation or sit down and read a book that I was really enjoying for 10 minutes, or it really was tiny, tiny steps. And like I said, it's not like on Tuesdays. I I do a lot of things on Tuesdays, but that I just don't schedule Tuesdays so that I know I can have time for me. Yeah. It's so important because a mom cannot give, you can't give anything if you're totally dry yourself. You, You can't give what your, what your family needs. If you're, if you don't, take care of yourself. So that that's so important. And I'm so glad that you brought that out. And thank you for sharing, you know, your, your insights. And I know that they're going to bring hope to someone else. So I really appreciate that. I've loved talking to you. I do have one final question for you. And that is how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? So I see him daily. I see him in my children. I see them. I have a really good relationship with my boys which I know would not be possible had God not taught me and allowed me to learn the things that I've learned. I have a 15 year old son that comes home and tells me all kinds of stuff. He tells me what he heard at school. He tells me what he experienced at school. And I know it's because I've been able to create a safe space for them. And so I see God daily. I see him. I don't know. There's just so many moments where I know he's aware of me and I know he's aware of my boys and I know that he sees my efforts. Yes, that is beautiful. And magnifies them. Yay, yay, thank heaven yeah. magnifies them. Yeah, I really love what you said about creating a safe place for your children to come. And, and you can do that with Heavenly Father's help. Any mom can do that. I love that. Thank you so much, Norma. This has been wonderful talking to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.